Welcome to the Empower From Within podcast presented to you by Trezal House. I'm your host, Jessica West, founder, author, speaker, and coach. Every week on the show, I share an inspiring interview with an incredible entrepreneur, author, healer, or change maker to tell their empowering story. At the end of each episode, I highlight the key self-empowerment takeaways to help you discover the limitless power you have within yourself to reach for your greatest desires and create the life that's truly worth living on your terms. I'm so happy to have you here with me today and together, let's go within. This episode is part of our inner work series in which I interview different practitioners, healers, and other professionals and have them share their healing modality with us. This is part of my mission of providing different avenues we can take to empower ourselves from within. I believe that everything begins within. And if you're listening to this podcast, I trust that you do too, or are at least open to that possibility. And my intent is to provide you with an overview of different techniques, methods and practices of doing the inner work. And if any of them are of interest to you, I encourage you to continue doing your own research. I mean, Google is such a great resource and you can contact the guest speaker on the show and see if it's something that you would like to incorporate into your life or at least give it a try. This is an active series. And if there is any healing modality you're curious about, I invite you to reach out to me by emailing hello at trezalhouse.ca and I can look into getting an expert in the field on the show for an interview. So again, if there's a healing modality you're curious about, send me an email at hello at trezalhouse.ca. I hope you find this episode valuable on your journey towards complete and total fulfillment. Let's go within. Please be aware that all content shared on the Empower From Within podcast is presented for general information and entertainment purposes only. The use of this content is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional, nor is it intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, or energetic ailment or disease. If you have any health condition, please do not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice or assistance from your healthcare professional. Use the information and materials shared on this podcast at your own risk. Only you are responsible for your own choices, actions, and results. Welcome back to the Empower From Within podcast. I hope you're having an amazing week so far, and I'm really so happy to have you here today. Today is the second episode in the inner work series, and we're going to be talking about a challenge that at first glance may look like an exercise challenge or even a weight loss challenge, but it is really not. And as you'll see, it's really a challenge that'll help you develop self-discipline and really empower yourself from within to begin creating the life that you truly want. I'm speaking with Gregory Birch today. He's a veteran, sales and leadership coach, a speaker, and the podcast host of the Be The Difference podcast. He came out of the military struggling with PTSD, depression, and suicidal ideations. This negatively affected his relationships and led to several awful breakups and separations. After realizing the destructive patterns in his life, he decided it was time for him to spend some time working on himself. And so he committed himself to doing the 75 hard challenge. As I said, at first glance, you might think this is a fitness challenge, but Gregory will tell you that it is a transformational program that can help you build self-discipline, mental toughness, and confidence. 
So in the first half of this episode, we talk about the 75 hard challenge, what it's all about, and Greg shares his experience with it. And in the second half of this episode, Greg shares his incredible story with us from being in the military commissioned into the U.S. Army as an armor officer to his struggles with PTSD, depression, and suicidal ideations that led up to him making the decision to commit to completing the 75 hard challenge, not once, not twice, but four times. Greg is really such a powerful storyteller. So get ready to feel a wave of emotions as you tune into this episode. And I know it's going to leave you feeling motivated no matter where you are in your life. And so without any further ado, please welcome Gregory Birch. Hi, Greg, and welcome to the Empower From Within podcast. I'm really happy to have you here today, and I'm super excited for a conversation. I am really excited to talk about the 75 hard challenge, which you have done. Like You're on your fourth time, which is like absolutely incredible, and I always thought of it as a fitness challenge, but I'm hearing more that it's more a transformative program. So... Can you tell us about your experience with it? And like, okay, maybe we should start with the basis as like, what is the 75 hard challenge? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what 75 hard is, it's a program that was created by uh, Andy Frisella, who is, um, he he has multiple companies, but he's most notoriously known for first form, which is a supplement company. And uh, he was massively like overweight and he was like a professional speaker and he had his company as a nutrition company. And he was really, he's like 350 pounds. And so he just finally was like, Hey, enough's enough. And, um, he decided to start losing weight and he said, Hey, in 75 days, I'm going to be a different person. And he, he kind of found it you know, through happenstance just by doing these different things. And so, um, from it, he created the 75 heart program, which in essence is just five tasks that you do every single day. And those five tasks are really simple, but they're, but they're difficult to maintain over a 75 day period. So the five tasks are first and foremost, you have to work out twice every day. One of the workouts has to be outside, no matter what the weather's like. And each workout has to last for a minimum of 45 minutes. So you can do anything for the workout, but you have to do something. So if you wanted to go out and do like, I have a weighted vest and I go out and do walks sometimes where I do a lot of runs. Sometimes I do biking. Um, but it has to be outside. And so the next thing is you have to follow a diet and it doesn't matter what diet you follow, but you do have to follow a diet and there is zero cheat meals. So you can't cheat on the diet at all. And what this does is it really builds within you a discipline to overcome the urges. Cause there's, there's several urges that most people fall into. Um, and food is one of them. Food's probably one of the most common urges that people fall victim to. And so you start to learn to control those urges that you get on a, on a daily basis. Uh, the next thing that you do every single day is you read at least 10 pages from a professional book. And, uh, I like to do active reading. So I take notes while I read so that I retain as much as possible. But before this, I didn't really read that much. I read every once in a while, but I had not finished a full book really since it was, it was over 10 years that I'd, I'd read a book from start to finish. And I, that's pretty common when you, when you ask people or look around, not many people read that often these days and especially not every day. And it really helps. And you can't use an audiobook; You have to physically read. Um, this helps with your conceptualization skills. This helps with your creativity, helps with just with your knowledge and your ability to gain skills 
that you can apply, especially if you're in a business or you're working for yourself. And even if you're not, you can apply these skills uh, to to whatever career you have. Uh, the next, the, the fourth task is you have to drink a gallon of water every single day. Um, and that gallon of water, and part of part of this is that you can't also, you cannot drink any alcohol during the 75 days. So it's not a task where it's kind of like bled into it as like a healthy thing. Um, but the, it, it, you're required to have to drink so much water every single day in order to be healthy. And water actually helps with fat burning process because it increases what's called your resting energy expenditure or your REE, which translates into the amount of energy that you expend when you're resting, which translates to your metabolism. So drinking the right amount of water every single day actually increases your metabolism and helps you to burn fat. And then last is taking a selfie picture every single day so that you can see your progress. And that's the easiest for most people, but it's also the one that usually gets people because it's, you just forget about it. Right. And the reason why you want to take a selfie is because progress, you can see the progress visibly over 15, 20, 30, 45 days. You can start to see the differences. Whereas if you're looking at yourself every day in the mirror, you don't notice it. But if you look at your, you're at day 45 and you look at day one, you're like, holy crap, this is a huge difference. And that shows progress, which progress is what brings joy to any human being. That's like the true source of joy. And if you think about it, when with any uh, activity you may have started, when you first started it, you weren't good, right? Like let's use something simple, for example, like um, like uh, riding a bike. First time you ever rode a bike, you probably didn't enjoy it because you weren't good in it. But as you got better at it, as you were able to ride it better, as you were able to do more things, it brought you joy. You started to do it more often. And so you do these five things every single day for 75 days. And when you stack these five things, no matter what, it's like, no matter what happens in your life, you're doing these things. So the rest of your life kind of continues being, being whatever it is. And what you find is that you start to remove the, the, uh, uh, unneeded portions of your life. You start to remove all those things that you don't need to do because you're doing now these new things, which in totality only takes about three hours when you really calculate everything out. You know, it just takes about three additional hours every single day. And when you stack these, these non-negotiable tasks day after day after day, it builds discipline and discipline is a skill that you can build. And as you build this discipline, it changes your mindset and that mindset creates your confidence over time. And so you start to get this incredible confidence and you, it, it doesn't just affect your body. What it really does it affects every area of your life. It starts to affect your job, your performance, your relationships, everything in life gets better because you put in more effort and you have this new confidence where you're, you're like, I, I, I'm the kind of person that I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Like I, I keep the promises that I make to myself. And it's that internal reputation that you have with yourself, which I think is why a lot of people have anxiety and depression, which is at least what I did and what I've experienced and I'm not, I'm not negating anyone that that's listening that might have anxiety, depression, like, no, mine's caused from this. Okay. Like, that's fine. But there's anxiety is the number one mental disorder in all of America. It's like 45% of all Americans are treated with anxiety and it's, and it's spiked up with the invention of the smartphone. It's spiked mm -hmm. up with social media and this comp constant comparison culture with also the addiction that we get, the dopamine hits that we get from looking at our cell phones and the and the notifications, the likes, the comments, all this stuff that we're trying to get these dopamine fixes off of, 
you start to remove that and you get dopamine fixes off of building yourself off of going out and getting a workout, which gives you dopamine. Right. And, um, ultimately it, it just, it, it starts to remove that anxiety from your life because you become, because it, it really is, it has everything to do with the internal reputation that you have with yourself. Because what I found was my anxiety, why I had it. And, and, and I didn't realize it at the time, but afterwards, looking back, I had it because I was living a lie because I wasn't living up to the things that I knew I could do. I wasn't living up to my potential and I wasn't showing up every single day as the best version of myself. Right. And what that does is it causes this little bit of anxiety to grow and grow and grow and grow, which most people, it almost becomes a habitual cycle. So the way that we cure that anxiety is by trying to find those dopamine hits, right. By eating those, those, uh, uh, unhealthy foods, you know, getting into some Doritos, putting some bonbons in our mouth, watching Netflix, watching something that, that, uh, um, uh, gives us joy in the moment because we enjoy it. And it, what it does is it just makes us forget about the anxiety. We're just pushing it to the side. Right. But those habits are what's keeping us there. Those habits, those, those vices, those bad habits are what's keeping us in that position to where we're continuously not showing up as the best version of ourselves every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a that's a that's a quick synopsis. Long <laughs> long story short. No, uh, but it's so good, and I really love the way that you described it, and I love you know the fact the the thought of keeping promises to yourself, and I think that's that's such a big thing, right? And you're a leadership coach as well, and I and I uh, I've said before on the podcast like you can't really lead anybody else if you're not willing to lead yourself, and I think that's so important because a lot of people can't keep promises to your to themselves. And I'm a big, you know, kind of advocate for everything begins within first. And so if you can't keep promises to yourself, like you're going to experience in the outside world, a lot of broken promises too, and then start, you know, blaming the outside world when really like it's an internal fix. And so when we begin within, and so I love that this challenge that looks like it's something physical on the outside, but when you look at like having to build that discipline and those habits, it's it's something so huge for building like self-worth and self-confidence. And even the idea of taking selfies all the time, like it makes me think of um, like evidence journaling, for example, like you're almost building the evidence that like, yes, I did it on day one, two, three, like I could do it again, you know, because you might be feeling like, okay, day seven, you're like, oh my gosh, do I need to keep doing this? But then at least you have the evidence of like, I showed up, like I'm already getting better. So yeah. Absolutely. That's powerful. So you're on your fourth time now. I've already finished my fourth time through. Oh, you've already finished it. Okay. Yeah, I finished my fourth time through. I'm actually about to start phase one. So there's a program called Live Hard, which basically, if you finish 75 Hard, it's like the extended version that you do for a whole year, which is a little bit longer of a conversation. But if you want to you know, know more, you can go check out the Real AF podcast, or you can just reach out to me and I'll explain it to you. But um, the, the, you know, my, my experience with 75 hard the first time. So the first time I tried it, I saw it as a physical fitness challenge and I got to about like day 24. And this was in 22, this was like September, October of 2020. And I didn't even know who Andy Fusola was. I didn't know, I didn't know the podcast. I didn't know what 75 hard was. And someone introduced it to me because they were like, you kind of remind me of Andy Fusola, like the way I talk, I'm just very direct. And I'm kind of like straight to the point. I said, like, you remind me of him. And so they're like, you should listen to his podcast. I did. And I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty dope. I like him. And um, 
you know, I heard about the 75 hard. Someone has said, Oh, we should do it together. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do it together. Well, they fell off like day 15 or 16. I kept going and I was just like, eh, I got it. Like, okay, I got to work out. I got to follow diet, drink, already drink a lot of water. I got to remove alcohol. Not a big deal. That doesn't bother me. Um, and I got to read every day. The only thing that the, the most challenging thing for me was reading every day. Cause I, I wasn't a good reader. Cause I, my mind would just race and I would start thinking of other things. And next thing you know, I'd get through a page. And I'm like, what did I read? <laughs> like, I just go back and like reread a page. And I'm like, does this count as I'm rereading this page? Is this kind of two pages? And I was trying to like cheat the program. Basically. I just wasn't good at reading. Cause it's a skill that you have to build over time. And, um, I finally just fell off at like day 24 and I was like, eh, I got it. I got it. Like it's, I work out, I, I can follow diet. I drink water. You know, I don't need, I don't need to take a selfie for me to get a better mindset, like whatever. And I just didn't understand it. I just, I did not understand the program. And, uh, and I, so I started again in February, 2021, which was the, uh, I'm in Dallas, Texas, and there was a huge ice storm in 2021 in February, it was a massive ice storm. And so it was, it was around, um, Valentine's day and, uh, everyone got snowed in. And so it was that Saturday after Valentine's day that, uh, I was sitting in the gym and I was kind of in a, in a bad spot mentally. I just gotten through, I'd gone through a breakup and we were about you know, almost two months past it. And I was still like really down about it. <laughs> and, uh, I just threw myself into work, you know, I'm so focused on work and shut this out and not think about it. And so I'm sitting there lifting and he had a podcast, which he has these, um, on his podcast, he'll bring people on that complete the program that have like incredible stories. And, uh, he brought this guy on named Omar and the, the podcast titles Omar V 75 hard. And so I'm listening to Omar and, he, and Omar's, I don't know if I can, I curse on here <laughs> or are you, you like, I... no curse words. Um, I'll put it explicit. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so Omar's talking about the program and he's going through it and he's like, Hey, there's a lot of people out there that started, they get to like day 24 and they think I got it. And he's like, let me tell you, you don't fucking got it. <laughs> it's like, just, just gets real serious. Right. And, and, uh, he was like, I'm telling you, he's like, the magic doesn't happen until the end. It doesn't happen until like the last, cause there's phases of it that if you read the book, 75 hard, the book, Andy broke down the phases between seven and 14 day phases based on like his mindset. He journaled throughout and he kind of talked about his mindset, which he created these different phases. And, um, the last, the last section, the last like 10 days of it is like the final phase. And that's when you're like on cloud nine, he calls it God mode. Mm -hmm. And, um, he's like, dude, you're a, you are a different human being. You're just a different person. And, it, and it, it was absolutely right. It was it was the most transformational experience I've ever experienced in my entire life. I've never experienced anything like that. And and um it was so it was so profound that I I throughout the whole time, what I did the second time when I attempted it is I just started posting because there's three types of accountability in the world. There's self-accountability, which is that keeping the promises we made to yourself, which I was obviously bad at. And most people are, let's just be real, 99% of people are. There's external, and there's two sources of external accountability. One's from an individual, right? So it could be like your mom telling you to go brush your teeth, right? Or it could be if you pay for a coach that tells you what to do, even though you know what to do because you could Google it, but you have to pay somebody to kind of force you into doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, a, a community 
community accountability. So a good, like church could be a community accountability. CrossFit gyms are big communities. That's like a great, good example of community accountability, right? A family unit. And so I started posting every single day, every single day that I completed, cause you have an app and it shows you like, Hey, you can place that. You can automatically post it to Instagram and Facebook. I okay. did that every single day to show I'm doing this and I'm not quitting. Right. And so it was almost like a source of accountability from all my followers and, and which at that time wasn't a lot, but there, there was people that knew me and I didn't want to fail. Cause I don't want to, I didn't want to go back and be like, Hey, I failed. I got to start over. Right. I, I didn't want to do that. So there was difficult times for sure. And there was times that like, I almost, I got close to failing where it'd be like late at night and that would hit me and I'd be like, I haven't read yet. And it'd be like 1130 and I would be like trying to lay in bed reading, falling asleep. And I'm like, nope, I can't do it. And I would stand up and I would literally walk around my house and read with my phone in my hand, taking notes on my phone as I, as I like saw stuff or, or read stuff that was profound to me. So at the end of this, I had all these people that were following my journey on, on Instagram, on Facebook, and people started reaching out. It was, it was such a marked difference in who I was and how I showed up every single day that they started reaching out. They're like, bro, bro, there's something different about you. Like what, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what, what, what to say, except for like, this has been transformational and you need to do it. And so I, I believe in it so much. I, for a long period of time, I would buy 75 hard books in bulk. I'd buy like 20 at a time. And then I would just post to my store, like, Hey, I got 20 free books. Send me your address. First 20 that sends it to me. I will send you the book. The only caveat is, is that you have to read the book and you have to at least start 75 hard. That's the only caveat. If you're not going to do that, wow. don't ask for a book. Just don't do it. Right. And so I ended up help, helping and changing a lot of lives that of people that connected with me and we're still connected to this day and we still talk and we still engage and stuff like that. They're like, dude, you changed my life by getting a book. I'm like, no, actually you changed your life just by taking the action. But I appreciate, I appreciate you, you know, throwing, throwing a bone to me. So that's so uh, amazing. Oh, it was, it, it's fantastic. <laughs> it really is. It, 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 I showed up and, and I was listening to that podcast just to bring it back. And when he said that, it was like, he was talking to me. It was like, he knew that I'd like made it to like day 24 and I was like, I got it. And he was like, no, nah, man, you don't got it. You don't got it. Cause it's the magic doesn't happen till the end. And he starts talking about all these things that happen in his life and all these changes and bonuses and benefits and everything. And it all came from within, it all came from within him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's what I need. That's what I need. That's why I need to get over this breakup and like focus on my business. I need to become a better person. And, uh, I committed literally on Saturday. I was like, I'm starting tomorrow. No thought, no, like, Oh, I got to prepare. And I hear that all the time. That's what I hear all the time. People are like, how do you do it? And I explained to them, they're like, yeah, I'm gonna have to prep a little bit for it. No, you don't start tomorrow. Well, I got to know what like diet I'm going to do. And I got to go get some food. Dude, just pick a diet right now. Let's be decisive. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know what to book or read. Go pick one, Google best of business books and pick the first one start reading, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of reading lists out there. You can ask me like, Hey, what's the book you started with? And I'll tell them it was thinking grow rich from Napoleon Hill. First book I read still remember yes. that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and so you can ask us about anyone in the 75 hard program, what books they recommend, and they will gladly give you a list of books. Right. So there's just so many ways that you can start and it really does change your life. It opens up your mind so much. Yeah, for sure. Well, it seems like the mind kind of kicks in right before we start anything new and like the, the thought of like procrastinating because no, I need to prepare. That's kind of just like, 
it's a tactic for the mind to be like, no, 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 not yet, not yet. Yeah. You're not <laughs> ready. Just, like, you got to prepare for so that you're ready. No, you just do exactly. it. You get ready by doing it. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, for yeah. sure. So did you find that like the second time you did it, was it as equal of a transformation as the first time? And then the third time, or do you feel like you kind of had the hang of it by that point? So, um, so the second time I did it, um, I, so when I, when I got done with 75 far the first time, I actually, I have a, I have a, a, a right shoulder injury. So I injured it years ago in the military. I got surgery on it back in like 2017, 2016, 2017. I went through physical therapy. I had like my arm in a sling for like six months. So, um, and I started building myself back up. Well, I was going really hard in the gym and 75 far. I got, I got really big. And so at the end, I started my, my shoulder was injured. It was injured again. And I was like, just working through, I was ignoring it. I'm like, whatever. I'm not this, I'm not stopping. I'm in God mode. Right. So at the end, I'm like, I find out about live hard and I'm, I'm starting phase one. So I started phase one. Like I waited 24 hours to kind of be like, just relax. And I felt terrible. I was like, it felt so weird for me to not go to the gym and not do an outdoor workout and not read enough. It was the most awkward experience that I had experienced in a long time. I felt like I was cheating on myself. I was like, no, what's going on? You, like, you got to go to the gym. I'm like, no, I'm done. I was like, no. So I felt terrible about it. I was like, I'm starting phase one right away. Well, I started phase one, went back to the gym and my shoulder was like really bad. And so I did about five or six days and I was like, I can't, I can't keep up. My shoulder's too bad. So I ended up stopping and I went to a doctor uh, I went to my doctor and, and they, they did an MRI eventually. It took time, but they finally did an MRI and they looked and they're like, Hey, look, like you're, you almost have no cartilage on the inside of your shoulder. It's like almost bone on bone. And they're like, and you're young. Ouch. So like, if you keep going, like you're going to need a shoulder replacement, a complete joint replacement. And you're, I'm 38 years old. They're like, that's you're you're way too young to get a joint replacement. So I was like, so what do I do? Like, we're gonna get some cortisone shots. And, we're, and they sent this big chair to my house that like you sit in and then I'd strap my arm in and it would force stretches. It would like, it was like this machine that was like on a rotor that would like force my arm in different positions to force wow. these stretches when I had the cortisone on my shoulder. So did that. Now through this time, I it, this, this probably, um, I would say it was about six months that it lapsed. I wasn't working out anymore. I was like, man, whatever. I'm going to eat what I want. Started eating, started drinking. And I went from, from where I was, I think I ended my first round of 75 hard at two, like 235. And I got back up to 260. And so, uh, by the time I had my shoulder, the shoulder machine and my, the cortisone really helped. I started to feel better. Um, I saw a physical therapist that I knew he was a friend of mine and he started giving me some shoulder exercises. He's some rotational exercises. He's like, dude, and he did, he did this thing on my back and he's like, I bet you that you have all your nerve endings are all bunched up right here. And he touched a piece of my back and it was at the base of my shoulder blade. And it felt like someone had shocked me with an electrical shock. And I was like, Whoa. And he's like, yep. He's like, so, and he told me what was happening. So he's like, Hey, this is how you're going to get rid of that so that you can strengthen your shoulder and you can get back to, to regular. And he gave me some exercises. I started doing those and I was like, I got to get back on 75 hard. And that was too far had passed. I couldn't do live hard because you have live hards on a time frame. You have to do it within a year where the last phase ends on the anniversary of when you started 75 hard. So it's like, if you don't okay. pass it, if you mess up, you're done. You got to start the year over. So I did 75 hard the second time. And on the second go through it was i felt i felt that i it was like riding a bike 
after I hadn't ridden a bike for a long time. So my mindset kicked in really quickly. I'd say like by like week two, I felt like I was in God mode already. And I was like, holy crap, I feel great. Like this is, mm -hmm. it, everything just felt like everything was coming back to normal. And, um, and the second time through, I didn't really change much. I just, I just followed the program. It was the third and the fourth time through that I really started to change things. And I started to increase, um, the, the tasks that I was doing, or I would increase the intensity of my workouts, or I was increase like the, 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 uh, third time through I followed a really strict diet, like a crazy, crazy diet. I did an OMAD diet, one meal a day. Oh, no, wow. Okay. Only one meal a day. And it was, and it was a keto. I was on a keto diet too. And I got really shredded. And then and that kept you enough energy to like yeah. focus on work and everything. Yeah. Actually it helped me a lot because I, because really? I it opened up for time and it gave me, so I, I ate my meal in the evening. So like I would work all day and I would complete everything by like 6 PM and 6 PM, 7 PM was my feeding window. And so I would just sit down and, and just knock out three, 3,000, 3,500 calories in like 30 minutes and just knock it out, get full. And now I'm just, I'm done for the day. So I just relax and then I go to bed and I usually go to bed okay. super early. So, um, my second time through, I changed my diet again. I, I came off of an OMAD diet and I came off of keto and I did a really high carb, really low fat. I'm doing macros now because uh, I, I did I started nutrition coaching and fitness coaching, mindset coaching. And so I wanted to be able to like try all these different diets so that I know how to do them. I know how to explain them, but I also know how to teach them to people. And so I did a macro diet, which I'd never really done. And I, and I learned how to calculate my macros appropriately. And I learned how to, how to, uh, manipulate the numbers, like how to calculate each the protein, the carbs, the fats, all of them based on my weight, based on, Hey, do I want to lose weight? Do I want to maintain? Do I want to gain? How much do I want to gain by? So I started learning all these things. And so I changed my diet slightly. It wasn't as difficult as the OMAV was, uh, but I really changed my workouts. So I changed my workouts where I was working out every body part once a week. I changed it to where I was doubling up and I was working out twice a week. So I started doing, you know, chest, chest tries and, and shoulders and one workout and then legs and then, you know, back biceps and rear delts. And then I would repeat that again. And I would just do that over and over and over and over again. And then on Sundays I would have a full body where I was working at just kind of everything and really focusing on core. So, um, I just, I found ways in the other times that I did it, I found ways to increase the intensity so that I was still getting the benefit and I'm still challenging myself. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, it does. I'm wondering like to go back to, to the diet a little bit, because I feel like a lot of times, um, like I have a plant-based diet and it's difficult sometimes for like to have a social life, but then have like this strict diet. So how was that for you for that 75 days when you just had like the one meal a day, like how was your social life? And I feel like that must've been a lot of discipline on its own to not like fall back because like you want to go out with friends or you want to, you know, enjoy time with company. Yeah. And I actually, I encourage people to do that while you're on 75 hard, still go to the bar. If your friends are going to a bar, just don't drink, get a seltzer mm -hmm. water. Right. That's what I did. And okay. if they, they want to drink, I'm like, Nope, not drinking. Hey, give me water or seltzer water or friggin' uh, Topo Chico. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, if I went out when I was on OMAD diet, if we went out during the day, it wasn't during my feeding window. I didn't eat. I'd have coffee, black coffee. So now I would sit there and chat there and just enjoy the time. Um, 
if, if it was during my feeding window or if, if they would be willing to like move. So some people start realizing like, oh, I, he's only going to go, go eat during this time window. So I'm like, Hey, it's gotta be between these hours. And it was like, I could push it from seven, like six to eight if necessary. But like, oh, I want it six to seven, just because I'm constantly having 23 hours of, of, uh, uh fasting to burn. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, people start realizing it. So they they became more accommodating. And I just said, hey, let's go here because I can I know the foods here that I can fit within a keto based diet that I could still stay and keep it very low carb and high fats, high protein and be good to go, which really I was just eating a lot of ribeyes and uh, having broccoli <laughs> or asparagus, <laughs> like to be honest. Right. So that's, that's really all I was doing. So um. I, the mindset you you, you got to get used to p- telling people no, and it's okay, mm-hmm. right? And in fact, one of my uh, it's it's funny you bring that up. I had a coaching call with one of my clients, and she was like, she was like, so I broke my diet. And this has happened like on on Sunday. We had our call. She was like, I broke my diet this week, and some guy, you know, a friend of mine, he he invited me out for lunch, and we got there, and like all they had was fatty food. And I was like, okay, all right. So how can you prevent that in the future? She was like, well, I don't know. And I was like maybe you can look up the restaurant and see what's on the menu ahead of time. And she was like, yeah, I could have done that, but he really wanted to go there, you know? Okay. Well then don't eat anything. Go already fed and go have a conversation and drink a coffee or water. Well, I don't he probably wouldn't want to go out then. Well then tell him and then say, Hey, look, I'm on a diet and this, this place doesn't have anything that I can eat that's within my macros can we switch it to go to this place? I still want to hang out with you. I still want to have a meal with you. I'd love to do that, but can we, can we change restaurants? So it kind of fits my macro uh, diet plan. I was like, there's nothing wrong with that. She was like, I feel like that's rude. That's not rude. It's okay. And if they say no, then this big, Hey, I appreciate it. But, um, I can't like during this next month, I'm really focusing on this, but thanks. Maybe later. Right. And she was like, and she was, she like, couldn't grasp the, 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 the concept of, it's okay to sell people. No, I got offered drinks a lot and I would just be like, no, end of sentence. I wouldn't like, no, I'm on 75 hard. I got to I can't drink for a second. No, no, thanks. <laughs> Done. I don't have to, I don't have to explain myself, you know? And right. You're like cutting the conversation. <laughs> Done. And they're just like, oh, okay. Greg's not drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so yeah, because if you cheat, you have to restart the whole thing, right? If you miss any of those, if you drink a sip <laughs> of alcohol, if you put a chocolate chip in your mouth, <laughs> you start from, from day one. And there's people that don't, that, that there's people that will cheat and they'll still, and they'll still keep going. Cause this is all like, this is you being truthful to yourself. Mm-hmm. And what I'm telling you is that if you cheat and you're like, well, I just want to finish it. You don't understand the point of the program. It's all internal. And if you cheat, you know, you cheated mm-hmm. your, your inner, your inner self knows that you cheated to get there. So you're not going to hit God mode. You're not going to get that higher elevated status mentally or spiritually. And you really do get into an alignment physically, mentally, and spiritually all in one. And it's, I'm telling you, it's, it is game changing for your life. But you can't get there if you cheat and you lie your way through. Even one little lie. I'm telling you, it's difficult. I I had to start over many times when I, uh, my my first and second time doing phase one. I started phase one probably like six times because I kept missing out on like one or two things because it's more tasks. 
which is the phase right after 75 hard. And I'd be like, well, guys start over. Right. And I would, I'd be posting. I'm on like day 10 of phase one. And then like next day I'm like, I'm on day one of phase two. <laughs> well, I failed, but I'm doing it. Like at that point, I don't care. Like it didn't bother me to, to mm -hmm. admit that I failed. In fact, I took it as a sign of pride and honor that I was willing to start over and be open about it and transparent about it with people. Mm -hmm, for sure. And be willing to admit that and, and post that instead of just like, oh my God, I got to delete this account now. Like how yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like a lot and like, I don't know, boundaries is the right word for it, but it just, it seems like it offers people the opportunity to really be true to themselves. You know, like when people are offering you a drink, it's just like, no. And so often we seem to um, disregard our own personal values because we want to, you know, not hurt somebody else's feelings. And so it's really like a, a mental strengthening for yourself. Um, and I believe it isn't really until we begin to strengthen our own mental state that we can really live life to, you know, its greatest and fullest potential for ourselves. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're, you're, you're spot on. It, it has a, it's unique how the program works. And I think it's honest, I think it's ingenious the way that it was set up and, and the way that it ends up playing out mentally within yourself, because um, anyone that's not where they want to be, anyone's suffering from anxiety or depression, you probably have a little voice in your head that's that's okaying all this stuff. It's just like, yeah, it's okay. I'm going to get up tomorrow at 5 a.m. And then you wake up and you hit that snooze and then you hit a snooze and you hit a snooze before you know it's like 6 a.m. And you have that voice that's like, it's okay, hit the snooze. Like you 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 worked hard yesterday, right? Or you know, you're going to start a diet today. And, and, uh, then your friends come over and they're like, something happened. Let's get the wine and order a pizza and talk about it. And you're just like, well, I'll start my diet tomorrow. Like in, <laughs> in that voice inside you says, it's okay. This is just a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing. It'll happen for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> and so what happens is that as you go through the program, you have another voice that starts to get very loud and within you. And, and Andy calls this, calls that, that weak voice, calls that your bitch voice. And he calls the other voice, your boss voice. And what happens is that this boss voice starts to get so loud that it overshadows your bitch voice. It becomes the dominant voice within you. And so anytime that I, if, if ever I thought like, oh man, like I'd go outside for a run. Right. And I ran almost every day. My first time through 75 hard, like my legs were destroyed and I ran a minimum of four miles. I got to like six miles. I was running six miles every day and my legs were always in pain. That's the worst shin splints ever, but I still did it. I was just like, I pushed through and there would be days when I go to go outside and I'm like, oh, I don't want to run. And as soon as I said, that to myself, my boss voice would kick in and be like, for that, you're running way harder. Like I'm punishing <laughs> you for even thinking that way. And I'm just like, all right, let's go. Like, mm -hmm. and, and like this boss voice, like it, it, it's, it's your discipline. It's your, it's that internal like strength that you have that, that belief and the faith. And what it really comes down to is like the faith that you have in yourself, the faith that you can do anything, right? It just grows exponentially. Now, the reverse end of this is that when you start to talk to people, you can hear you almost like a bitch voice, bitch voice, bitch voice, excuse, excuse, mm -hmm. excuse. And you just start seeing it and hearing it everywhere. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize how bad it was. And everywhere from everyone, like I did not realize. And it's not a judgment thing. It's like, this is a epidemic. Mm -hmm. People are so 
accustomed to taking the easy route to playing victim, to blaming others, to, um, you know, screen sucking, to binge watching, to having porn addictions, drug addictions, alcohol addictions, food addictions, like you name it, it's out there. And there's so many people by the, the hundreds of millions that are suffering by it and they're just okaying it. And they're living silently suffering in their own mind in a hell within their own mind because they're trying to find whatever little peace of mind they can in that bottom of that Dorito bag or at the bottom of that Jack Daniels bottle or whatever it is that their vice is. And you start to see it everywhere. And that's what, that's not why I started coaching was because I was like, Dude, I just want to help as many people as I possibly can. Because what I experienced, anyone experienced, I'm not special. There's nothing mm -hmm. special about me. And, and if I could take just one person and change their life for the rest of their life to where they get on a very consistent glide path and they just become the best version of themselves, then it's a success. I helped, I helped somebody. And if everyone did that with one person and we'd have a different world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's like our, our conditioning and everybody like our subconscious pattern pattern. Like we don't even, we don't even notice it really our behavior because it's so deep in our subconscious. And so it takes someone to be able to have been through it, to be like, Hey, Hey, like there's another way. So, yes. so let's get into to more of you at this point then, like, can you share, like, what was it that really got you interested in starting this 75 hard and like getting on this journey of, you know, almost like personal development. I'm going to say it's that because it really is like personal work. So can you share your, your background and story with us? I sure can. I sure can. Uh, strap in. Okay. <laughs> this is a doozy. <laughs> so, um, so I, I'm a prior military officer. I was, I served in the U S army for 11 years and, uh, deployed to both Iraq and Afghanistan. And I got out as a, as a captain promotable. So I was, I was on the way to make major, but I got out and, uh, for a lot of different reasons, but, um, before I got out, I, I was, I was married and then we have four kids together and, uh, my, my wife at the time, uh, in 2009, she had cheated on me in Iraq and I found out about it and I didn't do anything about it. I just let, let it be. And we were going to separate, but we didn't, we never talked about it. Like it didn't happen. Right. And then in 2014, I was in, uh, uh, 2012, I deployed to Afghanistan. Everything seemed fine. 2014, I got in command and I, I ended up looking at her email for something. Cause I was trying to get, um, some tickets. She had, she had purchased airline tickets for me. Cause I was flying home by myself and I went through her email and I happened to see a name that stuck out to me. And it was the same dude that she had cheated on me with. And he had been communicating with her every year, ever since that we had left that location, which was in Fort Hood, Texas. And, um, it's, that, that was it for me. I was like, I forgave this and it's still going on. And they had been communicating every year and, um, they were communicating while I was deployed in Afghanistan. And I was like, no, no, not okay with me now. And so, uh, when I came back from that trip, I was so pissed off. And, uh, um, this, this woman used to always flirt with me. She's another, she was a single captain. She used to always flirt with me and I never paid it any mind. But one day I was just like, man, what's the harm? And I flirted back with her and it just, it was a floodgate. Like she, it was like they opened the crack in the door that she needed. She was like, Hey, and it was, it was on. And so we ended up having an affair. Um, didn't last long. It was like two weeks, three weeks. And then I broke it off and I, I tried to, I tried to hold it in, to be honest. I tried to just be like, Nope, I'm not going to talk about it. It didn't happen. 
And, uh, it just ate at me. And so eventually we had a, we had a conversation where I told her everything and she was like, she was like, Oh, thank God. Thank God. I cheated on you too. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like we never <laughs> talked about it, but I know I've been dealing with it for a long time. So, um, we ended up trying to go to therapy. Didn't really work. We, and we, to be honest, looking back, we didn't really put in the effort neither one of us did. And so we got a divorce. And, um, that was the first time in my adult life. I'd been married since I was 20 years old. We'd been together since I was 18 and a half. First time in my adult life I'd been seeing was and I was in my thirties, my early thirties. And, um, I was, I was incredibly depressed. I was, it was the most depressing thing ever. This, I, I mean, I had four kids. I was household was always a jungle going on. Like just so kids hanging from the ceiling fans and like running around going nuts. And now I go home and it's empty, not a sound. Like she took the dogs too. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, it was like, I was all alone. And that was the worst time of my life. And so, um, I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to sit with my feelings. I didn't want to examine my thoughts or look at what had happened. I was angry. I blamed her, you know? And, um, I, I started dating right away. Like I, I was like, nope, not being single, started dating. And I started this vicious path, this cyclical, like downward spiral of getting into relationships. And then when it wouldn't last, when it would end, I would start a new relationship literally within 24, 48 hours. And when I'm in that relationship, I was like, I'm all in six months, eight months, year, 12 months. <laughs> like, and I was like a long relationship. Right. And I was never happy because I was attaching to whoever I could. And so, um, in 2018, I was with a woman that I had met as I was leaving, uh, my last duty station, which was in Arizona. And, uh, that's how I ended up in Dallas, Texas area. So I ended up in Dallas, Texas. We had just started talking. We knew each other less than two weeks. And so we were dating, but I knew I was leaving. And as soon as I got there, we kept talking and a weekend, I just got, I just got the house that I was staying in. And she was like, Hey, I you. I want to come see you. And I was like, you want to come here? And she was like, she was like, well, there's nothing keeping me here. Why don't I come there? And I was like, yeah, why not? She moved across the country to come live with me. And she had a daughter a two, at the time. It was a one-year-old, like 18 month old daughter. That father was not in the picture. Like for all intents and purposes, didn't have a dad. So I became this kid's dad. And instantly I'm like, uh, maybe I moved too fast. Right. But now I feel trapped because I just had this woman move across the country with her daughter and move in with me. What do I do? I just got to suck it up, but you can't hide those feelings. What that costs is it has produced all these stupid little nitpicky fights. And every single time we get in a fight as it built and grew over time, she would be like, that's it. I'm done. And all of a sudden those feelings of I'm going to be alone. She's going to leave me. I'm going to be abandoned again, started surfacing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, no, I'd want it. I want it. And then we got it. And now I'm like, ah, I feel trapped. And, um, I would spiral and it would cause anxiety and depression really bad. And so, um, in, in May of 2018, um, we got into a really stupid fight and she, uh, she was, she, it's like 10 AM. We were supposed to be going out somewhere. We ended up turning around on the highway and going back home. And so we got home, she stormed upstairs. She's like, I'm done with you. F you. She took, put her daughter in the playroom upstairs. She went to our bedroom, locked the door. And so I was like, I'm going to start drinking. Like I got nothing else to do. 
So I started drinking at 10 a.m. I drank half a half a handle of Jack Daniels between 10 and 5 p.m. And the whole time, she won't come down and talk to me. I'm spiraling in my mind. I'm reaching out to friends. I'm reaching out to family members. I'm like having, and the more I'm spiraling, the worse it gets. And what I can tell you for anyone that's suffered with suicidal ideations is that it's like gravity. The first thought that you have, that's like, I don't want to be here. That's like a seed of a thought. It just grows and it, and it, and it, it's like, lightning going from one thought to another, to another, to another, before you know it, you're like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to be alive to, I I want to, I want to kill myself to, I wonder how I'm going to kill myself to like, you're on next, you're on Google, you're work, looking at ways that you can peacefully kill yourself and not cause a, a disturbance in everyone's life. And it was bad. And so, um, five o'clock hits and I'm like, Oh crap. I'm in, I'm in insurance. Oh crap, I gotta go to this client's appointment. And I I, I used to go in the home, so I had to go drive there. Because it's like at 6 30. So I, like, I gotta go get ready, gotta drive there, blah, blah, blah. So I go upstairs, go get ready. And she's like, What are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting ready for this appointment. She was like, You're drunk. <laughs> ah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll be fine. And she's like, You're not driving. I'm driving you. And I'm like, No, you don't love me. You don't love no, get away from me. You don't love me. And she's trying to like now talk to me. She's like, Hey, come here. Let me, she's trying to like console me. And I'm still like belligerent, you know, but at the same time I had enough wherewithal to be like, Hey, look, Hey, look, like when you do this, this is how my mind spirals. So I'm trying to explain to her, like how these thoughts are like spiraling out of control. Cause it causes me anxiety because I have now have these like abandonment issues from like my divorce and the PTSD that I have and all these things. And I'm like trying to explain this to her. And as I'm telling her this, you're going to see her eyes glaze over and she's just like, Right. And I get done and she, and she, I swear to you, she looks me dead in my eye and she says, well, why don't you fucking go slit your wrist then? And that was the moment when I was like, well, that's my sign. My time's up. And, uh, I just stopped talking. I turned around. I went to my, uh, behind me was, um, my closet. I opened my closet and inside I had a pistol case that was locked. So I pull up my pistol case and I set it on the, on the bed. And she's like, what are you doing? I pull up my keys and I start opening up the pistol case. And she's like, the fuck are you doing? And I'm like opening up the case. I'm pulling out the pistol and it's got, it's also got a locked wire around it. So I'm unlocking that. And she's like, I'm calling 911. And she, she runs out of the room. So I calling 911. I'm just not even, I'm just dead to her. So I'm like lo locking and loading my pistol. And I sit there for a second. I think, man. She wants me to kill myself. She's going to watch this. She's going to watch me do it, right? She's not going to run away from this. So I go over to the room where she was. She went, ran to the playroom with her daughter. And uh, she locked the door. And I went to go open the door, but it was locked. So I just put my hand on and pushed her really hard. And it opened up. And it pandemonium just broke out. She was, like, screaming. Her daughter started screaming. I could hear that 911 operator on speakerphone. Like, we're, we got a police en route. And... I'm sitting there holding the gun to my head, screaming, like, is this what you want? And, uh, and it hits me. I, I look down at her daughter and daughter's like, just biggest eye screaming her head off. And I'm like, man, they, they think I'm going to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. I want to hurt myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And it like snaps something out of me. So I, I stop and I close the door and I walk downstairs. I'm like, I'm losing myself right now. So I go sit down outside on my back patio and I call my buddy. And I tell him what's going on. 
And I'm like, and I'm telling him, I'm like, dude, I can't do this anymore. I like, this is it. And he was like, bro, it's not it. Bro, it's not it. And as he's talking, I can hear police sirens. And it's like car after car after car after car. And they're packing our street. And I'm like, bro, this is it, bro. And he's like, this ain't it. This ain't it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And as I'm, as I'm telling him this is it, they get on a loudspeaker on like a bullhorn. And they're like, Gregory Birch, come out with your hands up. I live in a quiet neighborhood. There's like... I was like, this is the most action anyone's seen in this neighborhood. And there's like 10 cop cars and they're calling on a bullhorn. And I was like, my life's over. I've never been involved in police before in my life. My life's over. And my, my buddy's like, dude, did you fire the weapon? No. Did you hit anybody? Did you hurt? Did you hurt yourself or hurt anyone else? No. He's like, you haven't done anything. Go inside. Go talk to the cops. I was like, all right. So I go inside and I let him go. And the cops call. And they're like, hey, where are you at? And I was like, I'm in, I'm in the living room. I said, you have a pistol? Yep. I unload it, put it on the couch. So I did. I come on out and have some talk to us. So I open the front door. And as soon as I step out that front door, the most powerful wave of emotion hits me. And I just lost it. And I just started crying, like un uncontrollably sobbing, snot coming out, like couldn't see. And, uh, and I walk into this police officer and he looks in cause I'm, I left my front door open. I just started stumbling out and he looks inside and, uh, and, um, at the, on the wall that you can see from his angle above the TV was my huge guide on. It was a huge flag that I got from when I was in company command. And he was like, you're in the service. I was like, yeah. And he was, he was like, did you, did you deploy? Yeah. He's like, do you seek help from the VA? No. He was like, bro, you need to, you brought some shit back with you. You need help. And he was like, don't worry, man. He started, he like, he like hugged me. He's like, don't worry, man. We're going to get you help. And, um, they took me to an inpatient facility. And, um, during that, during my stay there, which I never got in processed, I stayed in a waiting room and I sat on a couch with a TV and I ate bologna sandwiches for two days. They never in processed me because they didn't have enough space. And so my sister drove in from Tennessee to come pick me up and got me out and I ended up going to the VA. But while I was there, I was there maybe six hours. My ex-wife calls me and she had gotten called from my, my, well, well who was my fiance at the time? Um, told her what everything that happened. And she was like, hey, are you okay, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, hey, I'm just calling to let you know. Because I, I had a trip coming up where the kids come fly in to see me for the whole summer. I keep them for all okay. summer because we're, we're in two different locations. So I got on breaks, weekends, hol uh, long holidays, whole summer. She's like, hey, I'm just going to tell you that um, I put in a protective custody order against you. I'm taking your custody. And uh, I just wanted you to know that. So have a good day. And I was like, are you, <laughs> of all the times that you're going to give me this information, it's like the same day. I still got like a half of half a gallon of Jack in my system. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, of all the times you picked now, bravo. So now I'm furious. And I sat in there for another <laughs> like day and a half waiting for my sister to get me out. Right. Wow. I'm just furious and I can't do anything. Like, I don't have access to my phone. I don't have access to anything. So, um, I got out, I started, and that's when I realized I'm like, I, this is rock bottom. It's rock bottom for me. I need help. 
So I started, I went back and I started going to counseling. I actually begged that girl that was my fiance time to take me back. And I was going to fix everything. And, and she did. And we went to couples counseling and everything started to work out until it didn't. And then we ended up separating. Uh, and I started working myself. And what I realized through work myself was, was um, my triggers. I knew what, what things made me so anxious that I had to step away, that it was like, I would start spiraling if it got too far. And so um, I learned that very quickly and uh, just learned to be able to say, that was, I think the first time when I started learning to be like, no, like, just like, nope, middle of a conversation. I'm like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exiting conversation. I can't do this right now. So, um, but I kept doing this whole cyclical relationship because I didn't want to be alone. I was still afraid of being alone. And that continued through 2019 and 2020. And at the end of 2020, I had a breakup. And it was another spectacularly bad breakup, but it wasn't so much bad on my side as it wasn't hers. And uh, I felt I had a lot of to blame to her for. And so that was the breakup that messed with me that I was like, and, and, and when it ended, I was like, this keeps happening to me. Maybe I'm the problem. Like maybe I'm the catalyst mm -hmm. between all these different relationships and that's why I started to be single. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to date. I'm going to be single. And it was difficult. And that's why I was like in this depressed state. Cause I was single. I'd never been single this long in my entire life. I was single all of January, February hits. And then I hear his podcast and it was like, this is it. This is what I need. And I'm telling you, it was exactly what I needed. It was exactly the, the, the remedy all the issues I had. Cause up until this point, I was on medication. Now I was seeking therapy. Uh, I was medicated and I was still fighting depression. Like I could still feel it clawing its way, the edges of my mind into everything that I did and just constantly fighting it back and just trying to avoid situations in order to prevent it from spiraling out of control. And, um, I started to see, notice a difference around day 30. I was on day 30, 35. And and I have, a, I have a coach, a friend of mine, a good mentor. Um, I was telling him about this. And I I had just watched the the movie, Yes Man, which I love. I think it's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. But um, for all you guys listening and ladies listening. But uh, it's so powerful how like this guy's so depressed and unhappy and he's a terrible life. And then he just starts saying yes to everything. And now like all these things create these massively impactful experiences that all kind of weave together somehow. And, and in the end, it's like the path he was supposed to be living anyways. And so I kind of saw it from a different lens and I was like, I'm going to say yes to everything. I'm going to start saying yes. And so he was like, huh? Okay. Well, you know what? How about you start going to church again? And I was like, yes. So I started going to church <laughs> again. He was like, how about you start tithing? I'd never tithed in my adult life. And I was like, yes, I'm going to start tithing. So I did. Then he was like, Hey man, why don't you start, uh, start a hobby? You know? And I, I started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I just started doing, it. I just like paid for the year up front, just did it. And, um, I started crushing it in my sales, I started crushing my business and, and insurance and insurance agents were like reaching out to me all the time. Cause they're like, dude, you're crushing it. Like I broke, I shattered sales records that no one had ever done before. And there, everyone's reaching out to me. And so he was like, dude, why don't you start a podcast? Cause you're answering the same questions. Why don't you teach them what you, how you do what you do. And that's how I started podcasting. I started literally on this computer that I'm talking on, on the friggin' webcam and the speakers <laughs> to start recording, putting out content and sharing it. And so people ask me questions I'm like, Hey, go check this out. Go check this out. 
And then I just started getting better and better. And I got better cameras, better equipment. And I started getting better at speaking on camera. And um, so I had this experience. Uh, it was like, it was like day 45, day 50, you know, and I, I'm, in, I'm in church. And uh, every day in church, I would just, when we were giving a sacrament, I would just pray and I would repent. And I'd be like, oh, I did this this week. I did that this week. And so I got done with repenting. And I was like, I started to end the prayer, right? Started to say, amen. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my boss voice kicks in. And it's like, you ain't done, Greg. You, you're not done asking for forgiveness. There's more you have to, you, have, you need to ask forgiveness for. And I stopped. And I was like, huh. Well, and I, the first thing that came on my mind was my last relationship and how spectacularly bad it ended. And I looked at it from a different lens. I looked at it from the lens of like, what did I do? What are the actions that I did that could have caused it to happen, caused her to be that way? And what could I have done better? And I started to take accountability for all the things that I did, all the ways I mistreated, all the ways, even if it was like, she did this, I did this back. That, that, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You know, two wrongs don't make a right. We all know that. And uh, it was like a weight had lifted. I felt really good because I don't no longer had this animosity or angst or I didn't even care. I just let it go. And I, had, I accounted for the things I was doing. And I started to get done. And that voice was like, nope, you ain't done, Greg. You're not done yet. And I started working backwards. Every single relationship that I had been in my entire adult life, all the way back to my marriage. And, uh, and at that point, that was the point when I looked at myself on my inside and I said, man, I was a shitty husband. I was, I was a, that was really shitty of me to, to cheat on her because she cheated on me. There's so many other things I could have done. There's so many ways I could have pre prevented us separating. I still have my kids here. You know, it was shitty of me to let myself get to the point to where I was so suicidal that I scared the shit out of, you know, that poor little kid. And, uh, that's why I, and I was in a custody battle still at this point. I, I stayed in a custody battle until the end of 2021 for, for to get my kids to where I could see them. They could come. I mean, they're coming here in like a couple of weeks, but, uh, but I got better custody now. So, cause I, cause I did the, cause I did the work. Right. And it was this, it was, that was the moment when I was like, this program is something else. This program is something I, I will never stop doing this because I found this, the deepest parts of myself and I, and I accepted it and I took accountability for my actions. And what I realized is that my actions were not in line with the human being, with the, who I was in my heart and my soul. And, and that's what was holding me back. Cause I was having all this baggage because I was ignoring it. Cause I was justifying like, well, they did this to me. So I'm doing it to them. No. I can't control any other person's actions. Nobody can, but I can control my own. I control how I respond. I control what I think. I control what I feel. I control what I say and I control what I do. That's it. I can't control anything else. And that's what people, that's what people mess up so much is because they want to get people to do things. They want people to respect them or to give them praise or whatever, or pay them back. And it's like, you can't force anything on anybody. Only thing you can do is you can live a life of, of intention positively, and you can be an example. You can lead by example. And I wasn't doing that. And that's what was holding me back. And that was, what was keeping me so depressed. And I'm telling you, I started, I started like crying in church, but I walked out of the church. Like, I felt like I was like 30 pounds lighter. I just felt 
top of the world. And that was the day I came off of uh, medication. I stopped taking it and I have not taken the medication since. Wow. So in that moment, when, you, when your boss voice kept coming in and being like, you're not done yet, you're not done yet. Did you really do all that self-exploration like in that yeah. moment in the church? Okay. It was, it was that moment. In the church. It was the, it was the, so there's, there's something that's called your super conscience, which is like mm -hmm. when you like elevate to your like higher conscious, when you're like tapping into like the universal storehouse, if you've ever read, uh, think or grow, not think or, uh, uh, outwitting the devil. It's like the universal okay. energy yeah. has all the infinite intelligence and all that. It's like, you're supposed to be your super conscious. And so I was telling this story to another person. He's like, dude, that was your super conscience. That was your super conscious talking to you and like giving you access to all stuff. Cause I just, I just stopped. It was like, it stopped me dead in my tracks. Cause it wasn't like a controlled thought. It was like some, it was almost like there was another person in my mind that was speaking to me. Hmm. That was just like, that was like, no man, you ain't done. And I was like, oh, what the hell was that? Like, I was like, I'm not done. And I stopped for a second and just thought with my eyes closed. And then all of a sudden the first thing that popped in my head was her was with that previous relationship. And mm -hmm. I started thinking about sort of just literally cataloging everything that happened over the you know nine months we were together, eight months we were together. And I was like, removed everything she did and looked at just what I did. Boom, 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 boom. Standalone. Not like in comparison to like, oh, well, I did this because. Nope. I just did this. Period. I did it standalone. Not good. Not good. Not good. Not good. And I started to just, I took accountability. I was like, nope, I shouldn't have done that. Need to repent for it. Need to take accountability for it. And I did it mm -hmm. right there in church. It was it was wild. Yeah, I wild. I I love um, what you were saying about really having an awareness of yourself and your own actions and starting to look at like the patterns that were happening in your relationship and being like, well, hang on a second, if this keep ha keeps happening. Like maybe it's me because I'm the common denominator in all of these. And do you feel like it was that realization that kind of opened you up to be able to find like the, the healing or the forgiveness that you needed? Yeah, it was, it was definitely the catalyst that sparked. That was the initial spark that took me down the road I needed to go. Right. Cause I could have ignored it and been like, maybe I'm the problem. Like, well, next time I'm just going to do it differently then. And then jump right back into another relationship, right? But when I was like, maybe I'm the problem, I'm like, well, I keep trying to do all these relationships differently, and it keeps it keeps ending spectacularly bad. So I need to be single for a while, and I need to fix this. I need to take a step back and like slow down, take a knee, reassess my surroundings, which is very much of a military thing. Like, hey, we're going on the wrong path. We need to pull out the map and the protractor and the compass, and we need to get back on the right azimuth, right? Take a knee, drink mm -hmm. water assess the situation. And then once it's done, I know where I'm at, then I can go down the right path. And that for me was, I need to, I need to stop dating and I need to work on myself and I need to deal with those inner demons that I have, whatever it is going on that's causing this. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. I mean, I I'm curious to, because there might, like, there's a lot of people who are experiencing, uh, like some form of depression, maybe not a deep depression, but those like depressive thoughts and like, how, like, how would you suggest or like, what do you think it was that really like helped you start coming out of that? Because it's almost like, and I, and I'm, I'm thinking back to, um, you know, when you had pulled out the pistol and everything, it was like, 
I'm just like, because it sounds like, you, do you have an awareness of what you're doing? And like, do you kind of have like the internal dialogue going in your head of being like, what am I doing right now? Like, you know that it's not right, but you almost like cannot stop yourself. Like you just keep going. And it's something like so hard to explain, but like, I'm just curious as to like what the thought process was and like, how were you able to, you know, how can you start shifting your thoughts to really connect with the true eth- essence of yourself to start, mm. you know, moving forward, That's if I'm question. making any sense. <laughs> no, no, you are. So um, there is an old, it's a Disney movie. It's not old, but it's like all the emotions of a kid. And it has every emotion like had, I don't remember what it's called, but oh, do you I think know what I'm talking about? What was it? Anger. It was like fire. And it would like run around and go crazy. So the so, best way to describe no, it is kind of, it's kind of like that. It's like, it's like you have like these different emotions that are like almost personalized in your head and you have like the voice of reason, but it's like locked away in a closet. And it's banging. It's like, yo, yo, mm-hmm. knock it off. And, but the person that's driving the wheel at that time is like the, the, the anger, the resentment, the guilt, the shame, the, all these things that are like rolled up into one, like massive negative emotion. That's causing this massive depression that makes you just want to flip, end it all. Right. So that's like driving the ship and it just threw your reason into the closet, locked the door and you know, both are there, but one's got way more control. It's just, got, it's just mm-hmm. got more control. And so, um, I, I think that, and I, I don't know about everybody, right. That's how it was my experience. And I assume that from, and I've talked to a lot of people that have suffered with depression to the point of suicidal ideation. And every single person that I've talked to feels a very similar way in terms of like their experience and the way that they explain it is almost like, I'm like, dude, you know, like, you know what it's like. So, so, um, in order to kind of get control of that, you know, there's a couple of tips and tricks that I would say that helped me. One is understanding, like you can almost like go rewind the play tape, the tape of like that experience. And there is usually a point when you start to feel it, but you ignore it. And you know, it's there and you got to You got to kind of like identify that feeling and you put a marker on it. You, you identify that feeling and you, and you categorize it. And like this feeling is attached. If I keep going the same direction, it's attached to this action, which is going to be me killing myself at the end or like attempting or something. Right. So I just identified that feeling. So as soon as I felt it, I was like, Nope, I'm out. Like, (laughs) I'm right. getting out of here. So that helped me to not have to spiral anymore. So the way I see it and the way I was explained, honestly, by my, my therapist is that everyone's got like a cup of water, right? And every day you have so much anxiety that you can, it's like filling up water into a cup. And when it, the anxiety goes and overflows, that's when you start to get depressed. And that's when those, those spiralings happen. So, and everyone spirals differently. So, and everyone has how much, however much, anxiety they can take, how big their cup is, how resilient they are, et cetera. Now for me, Mike, he's like, your cup, Greg is, is basically like 80% full all the time. Cause I'm like always anxious. And, and he's like, because you're so used to being in a high operational, uh, a high operational, uh, tempo environment with high stress that I'm used to high stress. Now, the good thing about it is that almost nothing stresses me out because I'm like, man, whatever I've seen worse. Right. But I don't have much room for the things that do stress me out. I do not have much room to go before mm-hmm. my cup overfloweth. And when I overflow, I'm a very like outgoing, gregarious person. Like I love talking to people. I love connecting. 
And when I'm, when I overflow, I am like furthest away from people. I become a recluse. I'm like all by myself. I'm in my thoughts. I'm in my bed, just depressed and my thoughts just spiral. And so I just found those triggers so that the room that I had wasn't going to, wasn't going to, you know, be used up by something stupid. Right. Right. Uh, and the, and the medication helped, to be honest, I, I, I think the medication did help to like prevent that as well. So I could identify it and it, it didn't like just spiral really quickly or fill up really quickly. So I'd say first is identify those triggers and really look back on the entire situation. Be honest, like look at it with a true, like in, in a lens of integrity, identify everything, right? You'll find that moment in time when you start to feel it and then just identify the feeling. So, um, the other thing is I would start doing things that are stress relievers, i.e. working out every day. doesn't matter if you go outside and you go for a walk, get some vitamin D. It doesn't matter if you go to the gym. It doesn't matter if you go to yoga. It doesn't matter if you go for a swim. It doesn't matter. But when you go work out, it produces, it naturally produces uh, endorphins in your body. It naturally produces, um, what's it called? Um, when, uh, um, it's actually a type of morphine that gets produced in your body, natural morphine for pain relief. Uh, okay. It helps you with, helps you with positivity, helps you to reduce stress. Um, but there's so many benefits that aren't just increasing your physical appearance. It's, it is clinically and scientifically been proven that it helps with depression system symptoms, just as good as, if not better than medication, it is already scientifically proven. There's many studies. If anyone wants to know about them, you can reach out to me. I can, I can send you that way. Um, but it's start working out. Just do it every day. Right. And you can work out every day. Okay. You can get, we, we're meant to be physically active. This is our, this is our one body. You know, we mm -hmm. want to take care of it so that we last as long as possible. And so, um, you start working out every day. I promise you at the end of 30 days, you're going to be, you're going to feel completely differently, completely different. Yeah, absolutely. And then by the 30 days, it's almost like a habit, you know, and I, and I like a, how you said, exactly. I like how you said at the beginning too, how like one of, you know, the two 45 minute workouts, but one of the workouts you could like, you take a walk or you just run outside and you have your weighted vest. So it doesn't have to be something like super crazy extravagant, but like even just to begin, just getting outside and then you're building that habit to like, if you don't go outside that one day, like you feel totally off track with yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't even matter. Let's say that you're so overweight. Let's say someone's watching this and they're like 500 pounds. Like I can't go on a walk, go sit on your, go sit on your, uh, on your driveway outside and grab some five pound dumbbells and just do bicep curls and overhead tricep extensions and move your arms around and do some stretches, do whatever you can just go outside and move. Like anybody can do this program. I promise you, if you do that and you did it every day, you're going to start burning weight and calories. In fact, you'll burn more calories than I do because my body's more efficient at using energy and like expending it. So like I have to really push myself to, in order to burn a lot of calories, whereas somebody that's not used to it, that's maybe a little bit overweight or even obese, they can go out and put in a little bit of effort and their body's freaking out and their body's like burn, 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 burn. So you actually get, you go through and start having transformations faster. It gets harder and harder to transform as you get more and more fit. It's way more of a consistent effort and just really uh, uh, putting in max effort every single day and trying to push yourself past what you did the, the, the last previous day.
Yeah. Well, that, that's a great point to make too, because if anybody's thinking about doing this or like going to the gym with a, with a friend or something like, don't compare, you know, you lost this amount of weight. I only lost this. Like don't comp- only compare yourself with yourself, like the way that you were, you know, a week or two beforehand, because yeah, everybody loses the weight and burns the calories at different rates too. Absolutely. Yeah. Greg, this, like, thank you for everything that you shared. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your your story with us. It's just so powerful. And of course, like all of the information about 75 hard, uh, before we sign off, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you if they would like more information? Yeah, definitely. So, um, if you want to find out more, more about me or to see some of my content, I post content daily. I'm on Instagram. It's Gregory, a Birch, B I R C H underscore Gregory, a Birch underscore. Um, I post content every single day about mindset, sales, leadership stuff. And uh, you, I have a podcast called Be The Difference Podcast. You can check me out there. But if you want to know more about my coaching, go check out my website. It's deltafitlife.com, deltafitlife.com. Don't put a www at the front. It's just HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash deltafitlife.com. Um, and, and what I'll say last is for those of you listening, you know, Jessica does this for all of you in order to help provide a value. So the best thing that you can do for Jessica is you can share this content with somebody else that might also get value from it and you can help grow her audience organically and help get the message out. Cause what she's doing is very impressive that she's taking her time in order to produce this content in order to help all of you. So if you listening, if you hear this, that's your sign, go share this with somebody else that can also learn or gain value or even just be entertained by listening to this conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much, Greg. I really appreciate that. And thank you for, for spending your time today with all of us. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Jessica. Huh. What did I tell you? Such a powerful and amazing episode, right? As always, I would love to hear your takeaways. So please consider leaving a rating and review on the podcast app that you're listening to right now. And if you're listening to it on Spotify, please go ahead and answer the question that I had asked within the episode page itself. I asked, what was your biggest takeaway from this episode? And I would love, love to hear about it. And if you really feel that this episode could help someone, please, I encourage you to share it. This is really going to help someone's life and also help us spread our message to reach more people, to help everybody begin to do the inner work so that we can all empower one another to live our greatest life, because I really believe that is what we're here for. So to recap today, this is what you are committing to when you make the decision to do this 75 hard challenge. You are committing to five things. First, you will do two workouts of 45 minutes each per day with one of those workouts being outside. You're going to follow a diet. That diet is of your choice, but you will not consume any alcohol throughout that entire 75 day period. You will also drink one gallon of water per day. You will read at least 10 pages from a nonfiction business or personal development book per day. And you also commit to taking one selfie every single day. Now this could seem like a super easy task. It's also very easy to forget it. (laughs) And it's so important because this really ends up building confidence and it builds like an evidence journal of pictures. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I absolutely love evidence journaling. 
And as Greg shared, this challenge is not about shedding pounds. It's about helping you remove unnecessary things in your life that might be taking up so much of your valuable time, but it's habitual. And so we're not even really aware of it. It's also about helping you develop self-discipline, build a growth mindset and gain self-confidence. You can learn more about the challenge by going to andyfrazella.com. Again, he's the creator of the 75 hard challenge, or you can contact Gregory. And if you decide to start this challenge as a result of listening to this episode, please tag us on Instagram. You can find myself at trezalhouse.ca and Gregory at Gregory A. Birch underscore. These links are going to be shared in the show notes because I would love to cheer you on and be a witness to the transformation that you will no doubt experience. And I'm sure Gregory will too. Thanks for being here. I hope you got just as much value out of today's episode as I did. If you feel called, please leave a rating and review of this podcast and share this episode with someone who you feel would benefit from the conversation we had. It's going to help us reach more people. And this is just one way that we can all help empower each other from the inside out.